In Isaiah, Ezekiel chapter 28, we're going to read some verses. When you find Ezekiel 28, verse 2, uh, if you'll stand, please. We're going to talk about angels tonight. What are angels? What is their role? How'd they come about? What's their future? And so forth. Ezekiel chapter 28. <coughs> now, I'll just start out by saying there's two different views on Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. And we'll, we'll share and explain that with you. And we do know that these two passages are talking about evil kings. The king of Tyre here and the king of Babylon. But they're a type. These passages are a type of another evil leader. And we'll talk about him more in a moment. Chapter 28 of Ezekiel, verse 2. Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, Because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am God, I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Drop down to verse 6. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God. Drop down to verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Verse 13. Now read this carefully. Thou hast been in Eden. The garden of God goes on to describe his beauty. Every precious stone was thy covering. Middle of the verse, it says, The workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of Fire, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned, therefore I cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. God bless us to take a look in the book for a walk in the world that will learn something about angels and realize what they are, what they do, and what fallen angels are, and what they do. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, the text clearly says this is about the king of Tyre. But scholars tell us this also applies to Satan. It's a type of Satan. And there's a little bit of arguments back and forth on that, and so I really studied both sides of that this week and read a lot of things on it this last week. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. Just two books before, Isaiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, excuse me, three books before, Isaiah chapter 14, and you're familiar with this passage as well. Now back in Ezekiel, I should have mentioned before I turn, there's a couple notes that stand out. He was in Eden. And also the fact of the word cherub, which is usually a reference to angelic beings. Now Isaiah chapter 14, we read here, verses 12 to 15, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, the son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, thou which thou didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the most high, that thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the, of the pit. They that see, see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, 
that did shake kingdoms. And again, here, I, I didn't need to read that far, but he says he'll cast him down into the, into the sides of the pit. And as I said before, scholars have gone back and forth. This, of course, is about the king of Babylon, but then Satan is named. And there's sort of a new trend out there, and I, I just dove into all that this week, because there are people who say this, especially Ezekiel 28, and, and this doesn't really apply to Satan. It's just a metaphor really referring to the Babylonian king. And so this was really something I just dove into. And, and let me just say, I've, I've got a fantastic library. One thing God has blessed me with is lots of great counselors. I, I tell people to be surrounded by a multitude of counselors, and I have hundreds of counselors on my shelves. And I read, and I read, and I read, and I, I learn. And, and a guy by the name of Feinberg, you've probably heard of him, a great author. Merle Unger, you've heard of Merle Unger. Charles Ryrie, from Dallas Seminary. Uh, Spiros Zodiades, the Greek scholar that gave us the key study Bible to go along with our strongest concordance. Woodrow Kroll and Edward Henson. All of these guys agree and many more agree that these passages, while they are about a king, are definitely pointing to Satan himself. And so it kind of helped me this week to the recent trend and especially Ezekiel 28. They said, well, you know, he's really not... Uh, Really not, uh, that's really not pointing to Satan. And they say because that text talks about Satan, um, being the morning star and he couldn't be the bright morning star because he's Satan. And that's why they come up with this new trend to say it's not a type of Satan. But we have to remember, uh, some verses that talk about Satan. And one of them in Corinthians says he's the angel of light. So Satan can be called light. And then we're going to look at a couple of verses. Look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. So many times we see evil leaders like this and we realize who's behind them. Who do you suppose is really manipulating Putin today? Huh? Satan. He's behind him. In Matthew chapter uh, 16, remember what Jesus said to Peter. Peter was standing up and resisting the Lord and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, we know Peter is not Satan, but Satan was behind Peter's arrogance and behind the idea of Peter standing up. But in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, and I'm not even there yet, Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, it says here, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And the words of Jesus really, really solidified this idea for me, not an idea, but this teaching. And that's what these scholars point to. While some say these are men and not Satan, Luke 10.18, Jesus makes the statement about Satan falling as lightning from heaven. And then also Job 38, verse 7. Job 38, verse 7. And we're going to look at a lot of scriptures tonight. Just be patient with me. Let your fingers do the walk, and you can just sit perfectly comfortable and uh, just let your fingers do all the work. Job chapter 38, verse 7. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And of course, again, stars referring to probably angels. So it's not far-fetched to talk about angels as being lights and Lucifer as the morning star and the star who fell from heaven. And I always believed what I'm teaching tonight, but recent trends and recent scholars that I respect have come out with some of these new things and I just had to dive in and reassure myself that what I've always preached is correct, and I'm, I believe that this is pretty clear. But we know there's uh, so many teachings out there that are 
uh, interesting. Even the great C.I. Schofield. Some of you say, well, I have a Schofield reference Bible. You know, he taught there were two creations. He taught that there was an original creation, and the angels were created, and they lived on the earth, and they fell, and God took the earth and shook it, and he uses passages to say God shook the earth and scattered the inhabitants, and then he goes on to say God created and recreated the earth and created man, and that's what the earth is as we know it today, a recreated earth. That's the I. Schofield. And, and you know, many, many people, including people I've sat under and loved, really stood by that view. And, and they'll also stand by the view that there was, uh, you know, uh, millions of years between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. Now, we don't believe in the liberal gap theory. We believe the evening and the morning were a day. We believe in several literal, literal days. But there's different ideas from good people. And so I, I don't want to just cast those guys under the bus and say they're terrible. But we know there's many great titles for the devil. And I have you in Job, and we've already read Job. We're going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're going to give you scriptures and a lot of different ideas tonight. Not ideas, just biblical truths. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. We're going to pause here and just share a few ideas. Uh, not ideas, again, i got to quit saying that. That's a few thoughts from Scripture. Angels were created by God, and they were created perfect, and they were great ministering servants. Demons are fallen angels. Okay? Demons are fallen angels. And you wouldn't believe how many people have misconceptions about angels. Christians will say to me, Oh, my loved one passed, but I feel his presence. He's with me. He comes down. Some even say he communicates with them and talks with them. And they, they have dreams and they hear his voice or her voice. And I, and I guess that's comforting to people. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Then, Pastor, what is that? Because I do have a peace. Angels are all around us. They protect us. And, and you may have angels come into your life. The Bible tells us we can entertain an angel without even being aware of the fact that it's an angel. Did you know that? Now, you, you say that in some Baptist churches. They say, oh, I don't believe that. Well, it's in the Bible. Angels can be in our presence and appear as men, and we don't even realize it. And you'll find that throughout Scripture. That's not some new teaching. That's been in the book since the book was written, and we've believed that all the time. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, here it says, it talks again about Satan, the son of perdition in verse 3. Last line says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's a tribulation period. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he is God sitting in the temple of God, showing to himself that he is God. Satan is going to appear, the son of perdition, and he's going to sit in the temple in the tribulation period and defile the temple. He's called by so many things. We know he's called the, the man of sin. We know Satan's called the son of perdition. We know he's called the Antichrist. Some say Satan has a, or the devil has a false trinity, the beast, false prophet, and Antichrist to try to combat the trinity of God. And I don't know that Scripture doesn't give us that kind of a detail, but we know the word falling away here in uh, this verse, in these two verses, except there be a falling away first in verse 3, is the Greek word apostia, apostia, and that's our word apostate. 
And, and we talk about the importance of sound doctrine. It is Satan, that, that, that falling away is an apostate teaching, false teaching. It's important for us to stick with sound doctrine. You hear people sometimes talk about doctrine's not important. Just fellowship and worship together and don't worry about doctrines. Oh, that's far from Scripture because Satan's method of deception is false teaching, apostasy. And his false doctrines have hindered and tripped up many Christians. I have people who in my lifetime have have changed back and forth. And I've got one dearly, someone I really love that is constantly changing positions because he hears some new false teaching. And I, I actually said to him in a nice way, you, you've got to stick with what the Scripture says and quit trying to go off on these tangents, these new ideas. And so apostasy is his method here. And he is evil. He is uh, appears as an angel of light. But angels, we said already, and you got to understand, they were created beings. When were they created, Pastor? We're not sure, but it, they had to have been created before Adam and Eve fell. Why? Because Satan is a fallen angel, <clears throat> came and deceived Adam and Eve. So sometime before that, and we don't know when, we could speculate and talk about Schofield's, you know, in the first creation of angels in the earth before he shook it up. We could talk about that. We could say there's a lot of time in the process of creation we're not aware of or something. Or he could have just had an immediate fall just before he tempted Eve. But we know that angels are were created to take care of us, to protect us. And we have in Scripture, of course, you know the great angels. Gabriel's called the messenger. Michael's called the man of war. And we read some scriptures about music, and some say Lucifer is the musician of heaven, that he was one of the archangels. He's never called an archangel, but a lot of people believe he is an archangel, just like Gabriel and Michael. And so here are angels. And we talk about false gods a lot. The Bible tells us there are false gods. There's one true God, right? A lot of false gods. And think of all the false gods in the world. I mean, going back from the time of Egypt through the time of the Babylonian and all the cults and the whole land, the Canaanites and all those false gods, and today all the false gods. What are false gods? I wouldn't even really call them a god. They're fallen angels. They're demons that appear to be gods. In fact, the very word L is used about gods that aren't real in the Scriptures. L is a word meaning God and translated God, and sometimes we find it translated God's in opposition to the true God. Elohim is the name of our God, the plural, and we have the teaching of the Trinity from way back in Genesis 1-1. But there are L's that are false. L's, E-L, L's that are false. There are false gods. And they're really none other than Satan and his followers behind all of those gods. And, and there's been a lot of magicians and a lot of uh, things over the years. They They... These, these fortune tellers, if they're satanically controlled, could probably tell you when you walked in. I've heard stories about it. They can tell you, uh, when you were born. Some of them tell you their name. It's kind of bizarre. But who's the God of this world? Satan. One day the Lord's going to come and take over. Amen. But this is Satan's world and his realm. And he has a lot of power here. Now, greater is he that is in you. You don't need to go around shaking in your boots because of Satan, because you have a power in you that you haven't even tapped into yet, that's greater than all his powers. 
And so the enemy can't defeat you. In fact, to bother you, to harm you, you have to get, he has to get God's permission. Remember, when he wanted to attack Job, he had to get permission. And there's great, great stories in Scripture about him appearing to God. And so we have angels. We learned in Ezekiel 28.15, he said, Thou hast created. They're created beings. Angels are, as I said, demons are fallen angels. Look to Jude 6 and 2 Peter 2.4. First of all, Jude. Not the Beatles, Jude. Hey, Jude. But the Bible, Jude. Not that any of you have ever remembered the Beatles. Jude 6. And of course, there's only one chapter in Jude, so we're referring to verse 6. Notice what it says here. And the angels was kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved everlasting chains, has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Angels are, many of them are chained. They're being held for judgment. Not all of them are changed. Many of them help Satan. And Satan can only be in one place at a time. We'll talk about that in a moment. So he has many, many helpers that put thoughts in your mind and hinder you and obstruct you. And so here, Jude 6. Then look at 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Very similar to the writing of James. James, it says here, or the writing, excuse me, of Jude. For if God spared not the angels of the sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Same verse, same similar verse, almost identical. Angels that fell, God, many of them, has chained and thrown into outer darkness. Maybe they would have given us such a hard time. I don't know. Why he reserves some of them uh, for punishment later and some he's already chained, I don't know that. We, we don't have that answer. But first of all, we say about angels, they're guilty. They sinned. God gave them free will and they chose to rebel against God. Satan rose up and thought he'd be as great as God and he could take over and, he, and all the ones that followed him and God stepped in and judged him and cast him down into the earth. And some he chained and cast them, we believe, in the center of the earth. So first of all, they're guilty. Second of all, in Jude, just a few pages back over to Jude, verse 9, second of all, we know about angels, they're guardians. What do angels do? Well, verse 9 of Jude, again, we were just in Jude, yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a rallying accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. Michael wasn't going to keep fighting with the devil. The devil was powerful. He said, the Lord's going to take care of you. They were disputing over the body of Moses. Now, why would they dispute over the body of Moses? Because the devil wanted him. But he didn't get him. We know that our bodies will go into the grave. And, and Satan, you know, wants so much to destroy us. And they disputed. And we know that uh, Michael was contending with the devil. And angels guard us as well. And we're going to look at a couple of verses. Look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 10. As we know, they are guilty and sinned, and we also know they are guardians. Matthew chapter 18, in verse 10. And we, we heard this verse mentioned at our breakfast by Brother... Um, I'm trying to think of his first name. Arthur Sisk. I know who he is. I just drew a blank. 
Frank did such a good job with that breakfast, all the food, and the, everybody worked so hard. I went in the kitchen and thought, boy, these people have been here a long time, worked so hard. Arthur, Brother Arthur did a good job preaching. He talked about this passage, but look at verse 10. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. Angels are in God's presence, and they're, they're protecting these little kids. And God watches over those kids, and angels are given the responsibility to protect them. Then Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16 and verse 22, Luke 16, 22. It says, talking about the rich man and Lazarus, and Lazarus dies. And when it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So what happened here? The angels carried him. Carried, carried him. And, and, and we know that, uh, angels were, uh, uh, you know, were disputing over the body of Moses. Here they carried, uh, the rich man, uh, or Lazarus. And we find them constantly around people, guarding us, protecting us, taking care of our bodies. And I, even though our bodies, when they're dead, they go into the ground and we think there's really nothing significant. But one day the Lord's going to raise our bodies. See? And so evidently he stopped Satan from destroying or getting rid of our bodies. I think about people who are cremated or people who are die and are buried in the ground, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, people who are on a ship and you throw their bodies overboard and hundreds of thousands of years go by, there doesn't seem to be anything left, but God is still able to raise up those people. I can't explain how, but God's going to do it and it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. So here we find angels, guilty guardians, and also their guests, their guests. We said earlier that you could entertain an angel without being aware of it. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 18, verse 2. Genesis 18 and verse 2. Here's Abraham. <clears throat> verse eight, Chapter 18, verse 2 of Genesis. And Abraham, I'm talking about Abraham, lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray thee. And he fetches him water and he just wanted to really be good. And, and, and he fed them and so forth. But we know that they made it very clear they were there with a purpose. And these were not men, these were angels. In fact, Colossians tells us not to worship angels. Now the Catholic Church, I'm not picking on the Catholic Church, but they have Michael Mass, where they worship Michael. It's unscriptural. Angels are servants. And angels are lower created beings than you. Did you know that? You have a soul. You know, you're made in the image of God. Body, soul, and spirit. Angels are not. They don't even understand salvation. We'll point the verses out for that as well. But he bowed to these angels and, uh, you know, was, was worshiping them and, 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 you know, they, they, he's trying to feed them and so forth. And we know that several times in scripture, the angels did not want to be worshiped. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 1, 
Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 1. Let brotherly brotherly love, that's philios, brotherly love continue. Verse 2, be not forgetful to what? Entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. People just would feed someone thinking it's a person and it would be an angel. I like that. Think about God has those guardians around us. I don't know in my lifetime that I've ever seen an angel. I've had people tell me strange things that happened, and I'd be, wow, that's really interesting. And there are people I trust and trust their word and their testimony, and I think maybe they did see an angel. First of all, I'm a skeptic, so I think, I don't know about these stories. Then when you read a verse like this, you say, wait a minute. It could have really happened. Anything the Bible says can happen can happen, amen? And so we realize that we could actually entertain them. So they're guests. Then there's six more things I'm going to mention. They're smart, but not all-knowing. They're not omniscient. 2 Samuel 14, 20. We've got six more verses. We're going to move quickly. 2 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 20. The last half of this verse... It says, and my Lord is wise, that's master, not Yahweh, because it's small letters. Second Samuel 14, the middle of verse 20. According to the wisdom of an angel of God, to know all things that are in the earth. So, my Lord is wise according to the wisdom of an angel of God, to know all things that are in the earth. They're wise, but not all-knowing. And we will see that there's several verses for that, I just don't have time. Also, they're swift, but not omnipresent. They're not everywhere. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 21. Daniel 9, 21. Then after that, we're going to the 103rd Psalm. Ezekiel, Daniel. Chapter 9 and verse 21. Yea, while I was speaking in my prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. Here's Daniel. He has a, an interaction with Gabriel, and the Gabriel, the messenger. He said, I was praying, and he touched me. That, that phrase is found a lot in Daniel, he touched me. I love that great chorus, he touched me, oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul, something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. You know, here the Gabriel, the angel, touches Daniel. They go to and fro, Scripture says. And Satan goes to and fro. They're not omnipresent, but they can move quickly. I believe in the in the millennial kingdom we'll have the ability to move about like that. I believe this new earth will be something we're going to want to see. And I think we think the thought, I'd like to go see, you know, a, a pride of lions in Africa and get up close and see those big fangs. I wouldn't want to do that now. But we'll have dominion over those animals in that millennium, won't we? And the angels can move about like that. Then they're strong, but not all-powerful. They're not omnipotent. In Psalm 103, verse 20. Psalm 103, verse 20. And I could give you a lot more scripture. We just don't have time tonight. We're going to say a few more things. Psalm 103, and verse 20, it says here, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His Word. I mean, they excel in strength. But they're not as powerful as God. He created them. He spoke them into existence. But they excel in strength. They're very strong. They're swift. They're smart. 
Thank God for them. We don't worship them. They're our servants. They're our guardians. And thank the Lord for them. Then three more things. They're innumerable. Hebrews 12, 22. Hebrews 12, 22. When I get there, I'm going to read it. And then we're going to go to 1 Peter. But Hebrews 12, 22, it says here, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Now, God knows how many there are, but we, we couldn't count them. There's that many. Think of that. Innumerable. So many angels. That's why every person on this earth that's a child of God certainly has a guardian angel, and maybe many, maybe many. But there's millions of demons certainly as well. Then we know they're inquisitive. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. First Peter 1, 12. It says here, unto whom it is revealed that not unto themselves, but unto the, uh, unto us, they did minister the things, uh, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Angels desire to understand and look into this idea of salvation, but they don't understand it. Now, they're inquisitive. They're always exploring. And we know these same traits also would apply to fallen angels. Not in the same way. The good angels aren't sinning. They're, they're a support for us. But the fallen angels, they're swift and smart. And they can do a lot of things too. They're innumerable, there's no doubt. And they want to know. They want to know about salvation. They want to know things. They've rebelled against God. How foolish of them to not understand judgment. But they don't understand the Scripture. They listen to us. And Satan puts ideas and thoughts into our head. Be careful when you utter words out loud of bad thoughts that you're having. Because they're listening. And they'll work on that. If you let the devil know your weaknesses, boy, he'll jump right in and work on you. The fallen angels are working on you. Uh, they're, they're, they're innumerable. They're inquisitive. And then Revelation 20, verse 10, tells us they're infinite. This is our last verse. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. And I know I gave way too much information tonight, but I can give you a copy of my notes if you need that. Revelation 20, 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night. How long? Forever and ever. Their life's never going to end. They're going to be in torment forever and ever and ever. Just like sinners in hell. Tormented forever and ever and ever. And so we're, we rest in the promises of the Word of God that the enemy will be defeated one day ultimately. He can be defeated daily by you resisting him. We talked about spiritual warfare several weeks ago, taking the word of God, quoting scripture to make him run away. Resist him and he'll flee. He's your enemy. Fallen angels are demons. And there's many, many, many fallen angels, demons that hinder us and plague us. But thank God, we also have guardian angels that protect us. There is spiritual warfare going on all around us. But we're children of God. We don't have to fear the enemy because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So I hope tonight you've learned they were created by God. They were created with a good purpose, but many of them fell and rebelled. Yet the good ones still minister by guarding us. They can come into our presence.
They're smart, swift, and strong, but they're not God. They don't measure up to Him. He created them, and He will one day deal with the fallen angels. And I thank God that we'll be able to worship in the presence of God and the multitude of angels forever and ever in heaven. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your Word and for Your promises and Your instruction regarding angels. And there's a lot of false teaching today, Lord. People don't become angels. Thank You for letting us know that. People aren't angels. But God, we're thankful for the angels. We hate the fallen angels. We hate the devil. He's our enemy. But we thank you, God, for the guardian angels you've placed all around us who minister to us, hinder us from getting killed, protect us from that car accident. And Lord, we're thankful for that influence in our lives by the Holy Spirit who lives in us and the angels who are around us. We thank you, God, and bless us now. In Jesus' name, amen.